You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. And the beautiful word here is poema. God's painting, that He's painting us. This beautiful sculpture that He might be making, or this beautiful canvas painting that He might be making, or this gorgeous poem that He might be making out of your lives, out of our lives. We're saved by the grace of God as we believe into a relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ, Do you feel like a work of art? That might seem laughable, but that's what you are to God. In today's message, Pastor Dave will paint a picture of how God sees you. Works of art can look like a mess while they're being created, but trust in God. He has a plan for your life. In His eyes, you are a masterpiece He just hasn't completed yet. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 6 as he continues his message, Walking with the Holy Spirit. for Christ so that people will see Christ. I don't want them to see Dave. I and my flesh have absolutely nothing to offer anybody. Nothing whatsoever. But in the Holy Spirit, I have Christ. The saver of souls. The forgiver of sins. Christ, the restorator. The one who says, come to me if you're heavy, if you're laden. Come to me and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to restore you. I have that. That's the power I want. I don't need to be exalted. I want Christ to be exalted. Who better than John the Baptist? I must decrease. Jesus must increase. That's my nature now. That's what I want. You know, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 said, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, I want God's power. I want that power working through me. I want that to be the power people see. Because the Scripture says, Let your light so shine that men would see your good works. Yay! But they would glorify God. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want him to receive the glory. Stephen becomes such a powerful witness of Jesus Christ. And as he's doing this, people are disputing with him. And as they're disputing with him, they can't resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, it says. Look at verses 9 and 10. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Stephen here is walking truly in the Holy Spirit. He is so in tune with the Holy Spirit that the wisdom that he speaks, of, that the wisdom that he speaks and the wisdom of God is irresistible. People look at it and they know it's the wisdom of God. Incredible. They believe now since Paul was from Tarsus, and Tarsa is from Cilicia. You can find that in Acts 21, verse 39, that Paul may have been a part of these people that were disputing with Stephen. He may have been a part of those people, and he may be one of those ones that found Stephen's words to be irresistible. Because we know in a few chapters that Paul is going to be holding on to the coats of those that are going to stone Stephen and kill Stephen. And we know from Scripture that that played a huge part on Paul. 
And maybe all these things lined up, and when, Je- when Paul met Jesus on the way to Damascus, bang, everything came together. I'm speculating. Scripture doesn't clear that, but it's possible. Nobody could match Stephen's power. He was overflowing with these torrents of living water. Torrents of living water were flowing freely from his body. It was hitting everybody that was near him. The Holy Spirit was doing a marvelous work. Torrents of living water. Could this just be what Jesus was talking about in Luke 21 and verse 15? Now, Jesus is talking about end times here, so, but let me read this to you. In Luke 21, verse 15, Jesus is speaking, and he says to the, to the disciples, Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Isn't that what's happening here? Stephen has opened his mouth, He's full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture says they can't resist what he's saying. They can't resist. Stephen is completely led by the Holy Spirit. We saw this back in chapter 2 when Peter appeared before the Sanhedrin. We saw the same thing. Scripture says, and he was filled with boldness from the Holy Spirit, and he spoke these beautiful, eloquent words. And they thought, who is this guy? Who is this untrained fisherman? How did he speak like that? You know, for the first time, someone other than an apostle is now exhibiting these attributes of, of the Holy Spirit. The church is growing mightily. It's being added to day by day. And the Word of God is going forth. And the Word of God is doing exactly what the Word of God does. It changes lives. It changes lives. It changes hearts. God has used ordinary men, ordinary women to accomplish His purpose. The Lord wants to do that today. He wants to use ordinary men and ordinary women to accomplish His purpose. So, how do these men respond to Stephen's witness? How do they respond to this power and wisdom? They arrest him. Why not? best way do we know to silence somebody? Let's throw him in jail. Let's shut this guy up. You know you can't shut the gospel up. Even though they cannot resist Stephen's word through the Holy Spirit, even though they cannot see or they can see the wisdom of the scriptures that Stephen's using, even though they see the miracles that he does, they refuse to believe. I bet you know people like this. I bet you know people that before you were a Christian, you hung around with. And now that you're a Christian, they see the change in your life. They see things that you do that are God-oriented. They see the glory of God in you, and they witness you, but yet they don't believe. You're witnessing to them, and they don't believe. Your spirit may be pouring upon them, and they can't resist the spirit. They know there's something special, but they don't believe. That's what's happening to Stephen here. They see it. They ask you about it, but they won't accept it. They won't take it in. Look what happens in verses 12 and thir- uh, 11 and 12. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. These accusers are asking men to lie about Stephen. They couldn't resist his wisdom, so they said, we'll make up some lies. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. We'll make up some lies. They fabricated lies against him that said he was blaspheming Moses, the law, and the temple. In verse 13 and 14, it says, they set up these false witnesses. This man who does not cease to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of which Moses delivered us. Does this sound familiar? This is the same tactics they used with Jesus. It's the exact same thing they did with Jesus. First thing they did was they got false witnesses. Secondly, they stirred up the people and accused them of blasphemy. And thirdly, guess what? They executed him. Well, I hate to tell you this, but in chapter 7 and 8, Stephen gets executed. The same thing happens. See, the Jews were very jealous of their law, 
And they couldn't understand Christ, how, how Christ could come to fulfill their law and bring in this new age. They were proud of their temple. And they, they, they were hard to believe that God would destroy it. I wonder, I really wonder how many of them were alive in 70 A.D. And when the temple was destroyed by conquering armies, I wonder if they remembered. Ooh, wait a minute. I wonder if they were able to put that together. See, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God has a specific purpose and a plan, and he will complete that plan. He will complete that plan. See, Stephen faced the same spiritual blindness that Jeremiah faced in Jeremiah 7. And the new church faced the opposition of Jewish traditions, and they're going to continue to face it. And we face the same opposition today to traditions. Traditions. We face that same problem. We face the same problem. Traditions of men instead of the Word of God. We want to rely on our tradition. Well, that's not the way we do it here. It's tradition that we do it this way. Well, what about the Word of God? What does the Word of God say how we should act? We should be going by the Word of God and not the traditions of men. Remember, Jesus told them that they would be put out of the synagogue someday for preaching his name. He knew that this would happen to them. Remember, he told them as a disciple you had to count the cost? This is what he's talking about. It's not even necessary for Stephen to speak, although he speaks quite eloquently in a few verses. It's not even necessary for him to speak. He just stands there, and everybody looks at him, and they see his face, and they realize he's a servant of the true and living God. They're looking at him. Look what it says in verse 15. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Well, first of all, look at the word steadfastly. That means they couldn't take their eyes off of him. That means they looked at him and gazed at him intently like, what? 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 They're looking at him. They're looking at him. They're gazing at him. They can't believe what they see. His face shone like an angel. You got to wonder what's going through the mind of the council. Could they possibly, could they possibly be thinking about Moses returning from the mountain and the way his face shone? Could that be going through their minds? I don't know. I love movies, as you can tell. I love the Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston, you know, he goes up to the Ten Commandments. He's got all this beautiful brown hair, and he goes up there, and all of a sudden he comes back, and he's pure white. All his hair is just ghostly white, and Joshua says, he's seen the face of God. You think? Holy mackerel. He's just brilliantly white. What did they see in, in Stephen's face? They saw the glow of the Lord. They saw the same thing. They saw the glow of Christ in his face. They saw the Holy Spirit exuding from his love. Did you ever meet somebody and start talking to them and know they're a Christian before you even introduce yourself to them? You just know this person's a Christian. You know it because that spirit and your spirit, this Holy Spirit is mingling together and telling you. They have this something about them. You know, the word angel here suggests messenger. Someone to come and give a great message. And we know the message is salvation through Jesus Christ. Come all the world and hear this message. That's what the cry is. The world so desperately needs this message today. Their world is avoiding the evidence. They are suppressing the truth, and they are believing the lie. Grease my heart terribly. I'm a boardwalk freak. I'm a boardwalk fanatic. I love to walk up one side of the boardwalk and eat my way down the other side. I love the boardwalk. But when I am on the boardwalk, my heart begins to break, ladies and gentlemen. My heart begins to break because I see all these people from this to here, and I'm asking myself, where are they going? Do they know the Lord? And I want to scream out to the top of my lungs, Jesus is Lord. Oh, my heart grieves so. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people having a wonderful time, enjoying themselves to the hill. 
I have such a burden for them. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to handle it. I love the boardwalk so. But every time I go out, you know, it takes me about 10 minutes to be on the boardwalk or five, then all of a sudden my heart starts to get heavy. It's happening in our lives. We're seeing it. The world is suppressing the truth. They're believing the lie. I like the New Living Translation today. It uses a very interesting word in verse 8. The New Living Translation translates verse 8 as, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Grace. I love grace. In the New Testament, grace refers to God's unmerited favor. It refers to the unlimited riches that God has that he pours out upon all of us through Jesus Christ. The grace of God flowed through Stephen. And through Stephen, onto those that he was around, this grace of God poured. It's very interesting. Very interesting that I do word studies and that the pre, in pre-Christian times, the word grace actually described the charm of a woman or someone who spoke eloquently. Listen to these words that are suggested in the definition. Beauty, symmetry, rhythm, elegance, loveliness. These are the attributes to seen here in, in Stephen. Through his countenance, all these attributes are being shown. Stephen was full of God's grace. He possessed a charm of character that touched even those who didn't want anything to do with them. God will not be stopped. If you're carrying the Holy Spirit in you and you walk someplace, the Holy Spirit will be with you. And it will go out and touch the hearts of those that you're around. God will not be stopped. He will not be stopped. He touches everyone's heart, Stephen does. He is so in tune with the Holy Spirit. The grace of God freely froze from flows from him, and the council sees his face, and they're riveted to his face, and they can't draw their eyes away. It's as if seeing the Lord, which we will talk about when they stone him. It's like looking into the face of the Lord, the winsomeness of Jesus Christ. They saw his likeness, and Stephen was such Christ-like, it's incredible. The grace of God through his Holy Spirit can accomplish the same thing in us today. <laughs> John Wesley said this, One of the advantages of the God's grace is that it makes a man a gentleman without the aid of a dancing master. Grace not only pays for our sins, it changes us. Grace changes us. It changes everything. Every part of our life is touched by God's grace. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. You know the verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that of not yourselves and of gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And the beautiful word here is poema. God's painting, that he's painting us. This beautiful sculpture that he might be making, or this beautiful canvas painting that he might be making, or this gorgeous poem that he might be making out of your lives, out of our lives. We're saved by the grace of God as we believe into a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. We are indwelt by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to conform us into the image of our beloved Savior. But we are helpless to do anything, even live this Christian life without the necessary power from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus understood the enormity of this powerlessness. He knew that we needed the power. That's why he told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. He told them to wait. Don't go out ahead of time. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word here you know is dunamis for power. And it's translated power, but it means ability and capacity. When you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, our abilities increase and our capacities grow tremendously. I mean, this dynamic idea of dynamite, you remember dynamite, boom! That power, 
certainly doesn't blow things up, but it changes things. It rearranges things. The Holy Spirit desires to make a significant difference in the layout of our lives. He likes to come alongside us, and He expands our minds and the capacity for us to reason. He expands our minds and the capacity to know the Word of God and to take it in and to become full of the Word of God and to memorize it. He helps us to discern things that were otherwise amiss and we don't know. He gives us the ability to understand the wisdom and to know how to make right choices. Can you imagine that? We can make right choices by the Holy Spirit. He allows us to make those right choices. And I know everyone sitting here today, man, I'd love to make a right choice once in a while. The Holy Spirit will lead you into that right choice. He gives us everything we need to live for Christ. Peter knew this all too well, and as the second epistle, in chapter 1, verse 3, he said these beautiful words, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue. Peter knew that everything we need has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit that we might be witnesses to the world, and this takes a lot of power. It's tough to be a Christian in this world. We need this power to be witnesses, especially today. Again, I'm going to go back to my friend Lloyd Pulley. Listen to what he says about this. And I quote, It takes power not to compromise at the workplace. It takes power to stay faithful in a marriage. It takes power to turn our eyes away from temptation, especially when no one is watching. It takes power to say no to sin, to put down the habit that is destroying you, to tell the truth even when it might hurt, or to put the needs of others before yourself. It takes tremendous power to forgive, to love, to be kind, to be quiet when you want to scream out. And it takes power to be pure in both body and mind. It takes power to be disciplined in our walk and not allow the busyness of the world to interfere with our daily devotions and time with the Lord. Wow. All those things, all those things that we desire, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do those things. Our greatest desire should be to be so close to the Lord that we would receive this power from the Holy Spirit. And remember, this power is His presence. The exact presence of God living in you. It's a mystery. We don't understand it, but oh, we thank the Lord for it. We have no idea how it works. How can He be in me and me and Him? I don't understand it, but thank you, Lord. I accept it by faith. I accept it. You can't even stay close to the Lord without this power. You can't be steadfastly in prayer without this power. Let me ask you today some questions. Do you desire a deeper relationship with the Lord this morning? Do you desire to spend more time with Him in prayer and in His Word? Are you indeed filled with His Holy Spirit, and are you continually being filled? The Scripture says, be ye being filled. It's a constant filling. You take a glass of water and you fill it up, and it comes all the way up to the top. That's full. But as you keep putting water in there, the glass never goes down, but it empties out. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Torrents of living water flowing out from you. Touching the hearts of those around you. Do you see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Is that power demonstrated on a daily basis? Are you experiencing the victory over sin and temptation? Do you desire to walk like Stephen? Or do you desire to walk like Tony Monero? Confidence in the flesh. See, God has given us a great choice, and God not, will, will not put his choice on you. He will allow you to make that choice. It's ours to choose. Are you willing to yield your life to him every day? 
Remember when we talked about our freedom that we have with Christ and the freedom that comes with a price that we have to pay? It is not easy being a Christian. It is not easy being a Christian in today's society. There's nothing easy about it. And I suggest to you, my friends, that it will get harder and harder as this age comes closer to an end to be a Christian. It'll become more and more difficult to examine your Christian values, to display your Christian values, to speak your mind as a Christian in the future. It will get harder and harder. Trust me on this. I can see it coming. If you're tired of the mediocre Christian experience and tired of not being able to live for Christ, not being able to witness, not experiences in power in your lives, then I can promise you this. God is willing today to pour His Spirit out upon you. God wants you to have this. He says, here it is. It's yours. It's the gift. Here comes the comforter. Receive Him by faith. Receive Him and be filled to overflowing and walk anew. You know, we talk a lot about the abundant life. The abundant life that Christ came to give. It's the abundant life filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where the abundant life comes from. God is willing to pour His Spirit out. You can turn aside. You can turn things around. What did they tell the disciples? What did they accuse the disciples of in Acts? We haven't gotten there yet. They accused the disciples of doing one thing, turning the world upside down. We need to turn the world upside down. But it starts with our lives. We have to turn our lives upside down for Christ. He wants to help you with this. He wants to fill you. And you may be thinking, this is what I want. This is what I've been waiting for. How do I get this? Jesus made it quite clear. All you need to do is ask. He made it quite clear. You ask and you receive by faith. Listen to the Scriptures. Luke 11, verse 13. He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. For to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, here it comes, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Here it is. Out of Jesus' mouth himself. Ask. Ask for the Holy Spirit today and be filled afresh If you don't know Christ, if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you haven't accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, let's go back to step one, and that's step one. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Become born again into a living hope. Receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and then ask for that Holy Spirit now to empower you for the work that God has called you to do, to live the Christian life in front of your boss, in front of your mate, your husband or your wife, in front of your family, to do what God has called you to do today. Let's all be Stevens together. Let's all shine the light of Jesus Christ in our lives as we walk out that doors. Let our countenance abound with Christ and let people be drawn to Him. The Scripture says clearly, Jesus speaking, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. We need to lift Jesus up. And we need help to do it. We can't do it by ourselves. You are assured. You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. 
In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Assure Hope.